It's been the most amazing month that I've ever been a part of. This is something that I think every single Matilda or every single female athlete has wanted for such a long time. And to see something so special like our World Cup, to see those numbers, to see the amount of people in the stands on home soil is incredible. I didn't even know that the Matildas existed. I literally found out about the Matildas maybe a month before I got caught into the Matildas. I had no idea that there was an Australian team. I think we're still a, a long way ago and we have to continue to, you know, fight those little battles because if we don't do it, then nothing's ever going to change. I used to cop it a lot, especially for being a gay athlete. People would tell me to read the Bible constantly. You even saw like the boomers with all their jerseys on and, you know, changing the time of their game just so they could watch the girls. I'm like, that's something special. Something special. to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Our mission is to protect the integrity of sport and the health and welfare of those who participate in Australian sport. Hello and welcome to Onside, I'm Tim Gable and today we're looking at the momentum generated by the Matilda success at the World Cup. Uh, joining us is former Matilda Michelle Heyman. Michelle played 61 games for the Matildas, scoring 20 goals. Uh, Michelle, it's, it's been extraordinary to see what the Matildas have been able to achieve, record ratings, record crowds and a genuine movement for change. It's incredible. It's been the most amazing month that I've ever been a part of. Um, this is something that I think every single Matilda or every single female athlete has wanted for such a long time. And to see something so special like our World Cup, to see those numbers, to see the amount of people in the stands on home soil is incredible. Um, we've pushed for this. We've tried to sell our brand for a very long time. And it was so nice to finally see, you know, the rest of Australia understand how hard it is for women athletes to make themselves look like a professional male athlete, um, you know, by having the large crowds, the large numbers. So being able to have that on home soil, I think it's definitely like hopefully going to change the way for women's sport within Australia. Because let's face it, there are very few full-time professional footballers in women's ranks in Australia that have to go overseas, you know. So the, the hope is that we can have full-time professional sports people in Australia um, in not just your sport, but but also in basketball, cricket. One hundred percent. Because I I still talk to a lot of the girls in that team, and most of them would rather be playing in Australia than overseas. But right now, playing overseas is where financially you're more sound, and the better quality of sport over there at the moment, especially for football, is the the level is a lot higher than what it is in Australia. But if we were to, able to, you know, make um, Australian football financially great for the players to come back. Um, I reckon you would have a lot more Matildas knocking down the door to be back in the A-Leagues. Um, but again, financially, it always comes back to money. And if you can make, you know, 10 times more money to go play overseas than what you can in your own country, you've got to do it for, you know, your career's only max 10 years long. Um, so you have to jump at it when you can. Because let's have a look at a couple of stats. Um, you played in the 2015 Women's World Cup and made it through to the quarterfinals. How much did you earn for making it through to the quarterfinals as part of the Matildas? $750 um, was our big paycheck <laughs> that yeah. we got. So, you know, within eight years' time, when you look at today and what the girls went home with, 
definitely it's improved. Um, but again, when you look at that compared to the male's football, there's, we're still a long way away. What, why do you think that is? Is it because males are in charge of sport or is it because, um, you know, it just th- hasn't been accepted properly by th- both the media and the, and the sporting community? I think definitely hasn't been accepted. I feel like the amount of money that they must have put into the marketing for this World Cup um, is the most that we've ever actually spent on wi- women's sport in Australia. Because if you look at it, there was every, pretty much every Matilda was on a billboard somewhere. They were blasted on big buildings. They were in every single newspaper. They were always talked about on social media. So there was this big hype for, you know, six to three months of Matildas. And as soon as day one started and we got 75,000 plus in that stadium, mm. like the marketing, what they put behind it to fill those seats was incredible. I look at when we went to the World Cup, there was nothing. No one really cared. It was a little bit of a social media post on Instagram and Facebook and maybe, you know, a couple of newspapers jumped on board to have a, a good, you know, conversation about it. But other than that, it was nothing. Like we, I don't even think we're on TV. Mm. I don't think anyone took the rights. No one wanted to host it through any Australian network, um, which was a bit frustrating. But the sad thing is even listening to FIFA at the moment, they talk about, um, you know, not the TV rights, like, you know, Channel 10 didn't want to be a part of it. Mm. So many companies didn't want to be a part of this World Cup and it kind of like slapped them in the face because it was so popular Mm. Um, and it's the highest ranking. So, you know, Channel 7 done really well. But one, I think it started off with, you know, only X amount of games that they were showing and then they really started to see the hype and we're like, oh, okay, we'll add some more free-to-air games on. But the likes of Channel 7 and Optus Sport getting behind women's sport has definitely, you know, changed the way it was from when it was my World Cup. So I think the more media, the more advertisement and just that marketing um, definitely helps. And, you know, the likes of having Sam Kerr, her name, her brand is well known. So if we can get, you know, I think now Mackenzie Arnold has Mm. that type of brand now. They're calling her the brick wall. So it's like her being injured for this World Cup kind of allowed everyone else to build a brand. So hopefully now everyone knows who the other Matildas are and we can start selling it that way because I think women are so good at selling things. Um, We're great people. We're easy to talk to. We're very good in the market world. So it's like just hoping companies jump on board now to see if we can improve on that side of things. Just on the number of coaches that are women too, I mean, the hope is that this generates more interest from women wanting to become coaches of women's sporting teams. Because, for instance, in Canberra, there's only one, Nicole Begg, in terms of coaching a women's team in in the top-tier competition in Canberra. Yeah, and it's, and it's pretty sad because there's still no um, funding for coaches. Um, even if you look at the A-leagues, like I don't think any of the coaches are getting paid more than ten to $20,000 for a head coach job. And if you look overseas, they're on three hundred to 500000 you know. Mm. I wonder what Angie's getting paid, you know, to be a coach overseas. So you look at that, but you look at our league, there's just no support within coaching. So I look at it, I'm like, why would you want to become a coach? There's no career path for you. Mm. There's, a, there's a hobby if you want to jump on the hobby train. Um, but when you can't financially look after yourself from doing something that you love, that's when, you know, it starts to get a little bit frustrating because, again, we just don't have funding in certain places to grow the game. Just tell me you look at your career when you started on the South Coast and as a young player, I think about 11 years of age, 
Did you have ambitions to be a Matilda back then? <laughs> no. I didn't even know that the Matildas existed. Um, I literally f- found out about the Matildas maybe a month before I got called into the Matildas. I had no idea that right. there was an Australian team. But um, a month before you got... Yeah. Finished my <laughs> W League season and won a few awards and the head coach, Tom Somani at the time, hmm. asked me to come into a camp. And I had to ask my teammates. I was like, who? Who's this guy? And I was yeah. like, what, what am I doing? And what's a camp? I didn't know what a camp was. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how my journey started. Had you won the Julie Dolan medal? It, and that's the highest honour. Yeah. And yet there was no awareness no. that you could be a Matilda. No, and I didn't even know who she was. No, and that okay. breaks my heart because, like, we're very good friends now. So I look at it from I think that was maybe what year was that, 2010? Not long ago. Yeah. And within, you know, 13 years I've managed to, you know, I met her that day and then now we've become <laughs> pretty good friends. So it's yeah. it's nice to, you know, still have that connection within the women's sport. But, yeah, I had no idea about the Matildas and it's – I'm not the only Matilda who didn't know who the Matildas were. If you were to ask a handful of them, probably none of them – maybe 50% would have been like, oh, yeah, I actually supported the Matildas before making the Matildas. I wanted to be one mm. and it would be the younger generation. But I knew Steph Catley. She just said it in the, her latest article. She didn't know who the Matildas were either. And I'm like, okay. And she's, what, six, seven years younger than me. So I'm like, that's a big generation gap again. Well, you wonder, uh, given the awareness and the hype around the Matildas now, there are going to be a whole <laughs> lot of young women wanting to become Matildas in the future and hopefully... There are facilities, there are coaches, <laughs> uh, there's integrity frameworks uh, to guide them through. 100%. We need that. And I think, you know, that's a big problem that we don't have right now. Um, I think most of the A-League clubs, are, you know, we still share a lot with the men's teams. And, you know, unlucky for us, Canberra, we don't have a men's team at all. So our foundations and our facilities, are we're lucky we're training out of the AIS. But at the same time, it would be really cool to have our own football, you know, home of football within Canberra and to be able to go to our field and have like all our staff there and the team being able to just be comfortable in one spot. Mm. But for us... Um, I think we're still a, a long way ago and we have to continue to, you know, fight those little battles because if we don't do it, then nothing's ever going to change. But, you know, fingers crossed with what the Matildas have done, we'll definitely bring in some more funding because um, that's the biggest thing we need. We need money within the game. Like, I They're know- already talking about facilities, for instance, because, you know, m- most of the facilities are built for men's teams. Yeah. And, and the women having having to share yeah, like if you walk into the bathroom and it looks like a men's bathroom. Um, there's that's a simple that's a simple thing. You that's know, a simple thing, and that's like we used to have to ask constantly. I'm like, can we please have bins in the bathroom? Can we uh, please have uh, certain things within yeah. in this stadium because there's nothing there for women? Um, and it's quite sad when you think about it that every single stadium built within Australia was only built for men, um, and only one to two teams when it could have been built for at least four different teams. I remember when I was playing at, at Central Coast Mariners and we couldn't train or play at um, their stadium because it only had home and away change room. Mm. So if the men played after us, guess where we got put? In a tent out in the car park yeah. where everyone would watch us get changed in the car park because there was no room for women to be inside the stadium. So in many aspects, not a, not a lot has changed. No. I <laughs> know uh, like, no, that was when you were playing for the Mariners before coming back to Canberra and before you went to Adelaide. But yeah. It's it's sad when you really look at it. Um, 
And I hope, you know, we just got that $200 million funding. So fingers crossed, you know, that's going to be around all sports though, all female sports. But you hope that, you know, some of that money goes within the facility and, you know, to the grassroots of football because we have to start now. I'm like, we're, we're rolling. Diane is hot. <laughs> I'm like, we've yeah. got to jump on board and we've got to, you know, invest in women's football. And with more women coming through, as I mentioned a moment yep. ago, it's important that they have the right education uh, around integrity, ethical decision-making, Definitely, by the rules. So it's like this. 100%. There's a lot to learn yep. pretty quickly. Yeah, because, you know, looking at my junior years and I was in a boys' team. So I got, you know, I was lucky back then. You just mm. rocked up to, you know, your game with your boots on and your shinies on already and you just go jump mm. out of the car and you start playing. But now I think about it and I'm like, oh, God, I used to always just have to like change my T-shirt, in, you know, either hide behind this, the canteen or, you know, do something like away from the rest of the boys because there was no room for me to be in the change room. Yeah. So can you see a, almost a light bulb moment now in yeah. Australian <laughs> sport? People are saying, oh, you know, women should be treated fairly with parity. And it's, it's nice that people are just talking. Like, yeah. you know, I think that's super important because not a lot of people understood or knew how – women were treated in sport for, you know, for a very long time. Um, the standards, we definitely are second-class citizens, women athletes, and it has been for a very long time. So if we can change that and move into a more positive looking forward direction, then the next generation of kids coming through, it's going to be a wonderful time to be joining, you know, a team and playing team sport um, because it's it made me who I am and I think it's one of the best things for any human to be a part of the team because of all the skills that you learn within it. Is there much sexism, do you think, from, from male administrators, coaches that still needs to be dealt with? We've obviously seen the fallout from the Spanish <laughs> women's team. Definitely. Um, like I've had these conversations even with our coaching staff within Canberra um, and it's just having that knowledge. We even now have, um, you know, the Pride Cup and Pride in Sport come out and talk to us and the coaching staff on how to just <laughs> be a human and to be able to talk and respect everybody mm. um, because, you know, back in the day that wasn't a thing. Um, so coaches are learning to this day, especially if you're a lot older. Um, but again, it's just all about that communication. It's just having that knowledge um, and being able to be present with the times. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I think there's a lot to be done within that space. I guess it shows a fair bit of courage, though, uh, to stand up and uh, address that sort of thing because you are an older player, you're able to do it, but I would imagine that not always the case with younger players. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, it, yeah, it's a different generation. Um, when I look at my players, it, <laughs> the new one was born in 2006 and I was like, cool, that's when I finished school. So it's <laughs> like um, the age gap is getting even bigger now because I'm yeah. getting a lot older than what I should be yeah. <laughs> and still playing. But, you know, it's, it's being that role model and trying to, you know, be able to be a sounding board for my coaches and for my players. I'm kind of like the the girl in the middle who just likes mm. to listen to everyone's conversation to make sure that everyone feels safe and comfortable. Do you think that uh, the current generation realise what you went through or what your generation went through, for instance, 2015 World Cup, $750 for making it through to the quarterfinal? Do you think that there is a realisation <laughs> that uh, there were people there that dug the well and even before you? yeah. Yeah. I look at it and I, you know, my best mate's Caitlin Munoz who was in the Matildas mm. 10 years before me and she never made a dollar. So mm. 
I think I'm lucky that I have a great relationship with her because I, I saw her struggles. Mm. And then she is grateful for me because she's like, well, at least you got paid and you got to do something. You got to get mm. a little bit of a career out of it. Um, but that $750 remark when I looked on social media, I've had, you know, some people be like, oh, that's so sad. And then some people like, well, that's more than what athletics gets. Mm. And that's more like everyone has to judge to something else. Mm. But it was more along the lines of, $750 to what the men got mm. that year, I mm. think. In comparison. Like mm. the soccer is didn't even make it out of the group stage and mm. all of them walked away with $300,000. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, here we are in quarterfinals with that amount of money. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense in my eyes. But mm. the amount of training that we do is the exact same as what the males do. Um, but, yeah, we just don't see the dollar. One area I wanted to ask you about was um, obviously with the greater exposure comes greater pressure um, and you mentioned their social media. Uh, are sportswomen equipped, do you think, to cope with, you know, the sudden rise I think in, in, in fame and exposure and and suddenly people feel as though it's okay to have a crack at them on social media and, you know, if they miss a goal or they don't kick a goal or they don't save a goal? Yeah, like I think women are strong yeah. <laughs> and have to be and have been for a very long time. Um, they know how to present themselves on social media and we know not to really read what people say to us because, you know, I used to cop it a lot, especially for being a gay athlete. Um, oh. People would tell me to read the Bible constantly <laughs> and I just never understood. <laughs> it was a book I didn't want to be able to read. Um, but I just believe in women because we have always had to have that second job. We've oh. always have to, you know, be able to juggle as many things as possible. Juggling, you know, our own personal social media and being able to handle criticism just comes with the game. Um, and we get criticised from our coaches more than what we get criticised by the people in the stands. Mm. So I think there's like a part of us that know we're like we're, we're the ones on the field. We know what we're doing. You're just jealous because you're sitting in the stands. Say whatever you need to say. Mm. Um, but we're doing our job and we're trying our best. So it's that kind of mentality. We try not to let things get to us because if you do, then that's when the problems start to start to just unravel and roll everywhere. Um, Having known you for a while uh, over the years, you're one of the more grounded people that I've ever known and you're quite comfortable in talking about, you know, your own life. Yeah. Um, is there always that worry that, gee, I don't want to expose myself too much? I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't not. It's yeah. weird. Um, I like to be as honest as I can and sometimes this gets me into trouble as well because my mum always told me to like speak your mind and if you have an opinion, just say it. So I have been doing that since I was little so I don't think it could ever change. But, you know, I think that's why I'm not within the Matildas. I think that's, you know, the way that I speak sometimes it's mm. just my, you know, make people feel different <laughs> because I am so honest. I'm not a yes man kind of girl anymore. Now, I was when I was quite younger but now I'm like the more that I can speak my own truth and be honest with who I am, that's when I feel the happiest and when I'm the happiest that's when I play good football and you see me smiling running around on the field. Mm. So... It, it works for me and I'll always just be as honest as I can. When you say the, there's been backlash at times, how, how do you handle that? I just laugh because yeah. I'm just like, well, what's the point? I'm like, yeah. you know, it's my own personal opinion. You can have your own opinion and that's fine. Um, I'm not here to have arguments with people. It was just this is my thought and that's why I said it. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of let it go and then people just bring things up constantly. Um, but, again, 
I'm, I am who I am and I'm not going to change that. How do you reckon male sports people have found the sudden rise of the Matildas? You know, everybody's talking about Mary Fowler, Steph Catley. They're talking about Hayley Rasso. They're, they're talking about Sam Kerr. I think it's awesome because, um, like, you even saw, like, the boomers with all their jerseys mm. on and, you know, changing the time of their game just so they could watch the girls. I'm like, that's something special because I know that all the male counterparts have always wanted women to be in the headlight as well. Like they mm. they wanted to fill stadiums. Who would ever play sport and not want to play in front of people? That's the whole purpose of doing what we do. Um, so I think they're all on board. Um, they love it. Like being able to see, you know, there was film of like the Panthers and everyone mm. just like cheering and mm. screaming about the penalty shootout. And I'm like, that's what Australians are about. We mm. are one of the best, you know, countries in the world. We're, we're loving, we support each other. We Everyone pretty much barracks for every single code within the game. Um, so to have that support from the males is just, it's awesome because it's always been there. It just hasn't been out into the public. Great for young women too because there used to be that saying, didn't there, that you can't be what you can't see. Suddenly they're able to see it. And yeah. you would imagine that it's not just good for young women wanting to be football or soccer players but right across the board women feel empowered to, okay, this is what I want to do in life. It's awesome. Like I love being able to, you know, turn on the TV now and you see the NRLW on. Yeah. And I'm just like, thank goodness. I was like, God, if that was on <laughs> when I was 18, I would have played that sport for sure because yeah. I, I grew up playing touch football as well and I loved the NRL. Like that was my sport that I watched. I And now to, for me to be able to see those girls going out there, hitting really hard and like, you know, loving what they're doing, it inspire, it inspires me to play. I'm a little bit too old now. Mm. <laughs> I think it would hurt yeah. my body a bit much. But, you know, if that's inspiring me, then of course it's going to be inspiring, you know, people younger than me to go out and, you know, go play that sport. So to see more women on TV and in the media, um, it's mm. only the best thing that can happen for us. As a final question, how do we keep this momentum going? Because you know, people are talking about putting more money into facilities, more money for women playing sport. How do you keep it going? Because... There will be a time when people say, oh, yeah, the Matildas, they played well. Um, yeah. It was great to watch them in the World Cup, but we've moved on. H how do you keep it going and, and capitalise on it, do you think? It's it's a very hard one. Um, what I'm trying to even push here in Canberra is, you know, come out to the games, come out to McKellar Park, come show like come support us, just buy a membership, be a part of it if you can. Um, we will entertain you. Mm. It's always a fun day out at McKellar to watch, you know, Canberra United play. So I'm like... That's the way that I'm looking at it, um, just trying to bring people out, especially because mm. COVID is gone now. Yep. You know, we're allowed out. We might as well enjoy it. It's a summer sport. So we're like, you might as well come out, enjoy the nice sunshine. There's, you know, there's beers, there's everything. <laughs> like there's a lot of people having fun, yeah. but no one knows about it. And again, this, yeah. like I said from the beginning, comes back down to that marketing. And if no one knows that we're playing, um, then that's, that's the sad thing. So it's trying right now while the iron's hot is to get as much information about every single code within Canberra, within your state to, you know, jump on board and to push it. Um, I was having a talk with cricket the other day and even they're thinking of the same thing. They're like, okay, well, because football is doing so well right now, like how are we going to allow cricket to do just as well? Like, And they're like, well, we need to make sure people know that we're playing and where we're playing and these days and things like that. Like if you walk down the street, there's not a lot of advertisement for any female sports within Canberra. Mm. Um, but we do have, you know, six professional teams and 
there's nothing about us right now. So I'm like, we need to start pushing that and seeing more of us in the papers and on social media. Um, and I think that's the only way that we can continue to make it, you know, hot for as long as possible. And get the corporates on board because they realise that you're very good role models. 100%. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, just sponsor us. <laughs> Please. Yeah, that'd be great. Michelle, thanks very much for joining on site. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. It's been the best. Thank you. You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to media at sportintegrity.gov.au. For more information on Sport Integrity Australia, please visit our website, www.sportintegrity.gov.au, or check out our Clean Sport app.